just a second. Genesis chapter 5. If you'll be turning there in your Bibles, kids can be dismissed. We are this children's church today, right? I don't want to send y'all out. Yes, it is. Children's church today, you can be dismissed. As you're turning to Genesis chapter 5, I I very rarely uh, do anything like this, recognize my own family uh, in this. But I just want to say how thankful I am. And she may kill me after this. But she wore her Alabama band today anyway, so now she's going to get it anyway. So I want to say how thankful I am because we've had several questions. I always like to just let everybody know. I've had questions. She's had different ones. When we came here, uh, we knew that uh, her long-term goal was not to lead worship. It was always a temporary thing. If you don't know, she is a biology teacher. She's teaching over at Armstrong here in town. And so she teaches ninth graders five days a week. And so she took this on when we first came because the church had been through transition and needed a music pastor and a pastor all at the same time. And so we came in and did that. So she was a, a very great, as always, a great help me to me and help me out and stepped in. And so it was not just because sometimes people ask stuff and I just found it's just better to let you know. And so I want to publicly say in front of everybody how much I appreciate her so much of filling in this gap until the Lord is bringing Pastor Joel to us. Would you let her know how much we love her? She's mad at me, but I love her anyway. I'm thankful for her being willing to step in and, uh, and, and, and do what needed to be done for the time being. Genesis chapter 5 is where we are going this morning. I've got a, uh, I think I, I did one a, a few weeks or months ago. And I'm going to call it again, this is another mini-series for those of you that are younger and you have no idea what that is, used to on TV, they used to have mini-series, you know, wasn't a long series, wasn't seasons of it or anything, but it was a mini-series. And so that's what this is going to be this Sunday, I'm going to finish it up next Sunday, and then don't forget next Sunday, the 31st of October, hey, we're not, it ain't. It ain't going to be Halloween. It's going to be revival around here. We've got Brother Timmerman coming Sunday morning, our general overseer, Dr. Tim Hills coming Sunday night. So I'm going to be preaching this Sunday and next. And don't you forget, make sure we're going to be praying. Be praying with us for a great revival coming up uh, here in the next couple weeks on Sunday. Genesis chapter 5, verses 21 and 22. Then I'm going to jump to chapter 7 and read verses 11 and 12. We're going to pray, and I'm going to let you be seated. Genesis chapter 5 and verse 21, reading from the NIV this morning, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Now jump with me to chapter 7. Right there in Genesis, and we're going to read verses 11 and 12. In the 600th year of Noah's life, on the 17th day of the second month, on that day all the springs of the great deep burst forth, and the floodgates of the heavens were open, and the rain fell on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. I told you I'm going to begin a mini-series called Reaching Back to Move Forward, and this morning's message is an old 
warning. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for what you've done for us. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your anointing. And Lord, I just pray right now in Jesus' mighty name that you would just have your way in this place. Lord, I pray that you'd anoint me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Give me the clarity of thought, the clarity of speech that is so necessary to do what you've called me to do here today. And I pray for every heart, mind, and spirit that's listening, whether here in person or by podcast. Lord, would you let them receive. Let, let the Word of God fall onto good ground and let it bring forth a mighty harvest and lord we thank you for it in jesus mighty name and everybody in the house said amen god bless you you can be seated here this morning reaching back to move forward an old warning you know many of us especially as pastors and preachers and church leaders we have focused and preached sermons on not living in the past and that is correct. We can't live in the past. We often go to where Jesus himself was teaching. He talked about you can't put new wine into old wineskins. Less what? Less the skins will burst. And we've talked about many different things. I know that I've preached and you've heard me. And You know, I, it, is, it is definitely something. We can't live in the past. I think I told you just last week. That I believe that God is calling us. God is calling us to be the Starkville Church of God of 2021. And, and brothers and sisters, it ain't going to be long and it's going to be 2022. Somebody say amen. It's flying by. God hasn't brought me here to try to re-bring re back the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s. No, God has brought me here, and I believe God is about to do a, a new thing. God is about to do a, a fresh work. I believe that with all of my heart, and that is all correct. However, we must remember that there is value at times in remembering the past. In, in fact, the book of wisdom, the book of Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 10 says this. It says, remove not the old landmark. You see, we can't throw away every valuable and sometimes costly lesson learn. Now, you don't have to holler it out. Please don't. But how many of you here could say that at some point in your life, you have learned a costly lesson before? Come on, let me see your hand. If you'll be honest and say, I've learned a costly lesson before. It may have cost you relationship-wise. It may have cost you money-wise. Uh, but, but all of us, at some point in our lives, if we live long enough, we are going to face something, and we're going to learn a very costly lesson. And see, in this message this morning, I want to remind us of some of those old lessons. Once again, I'm not to recreate the past. I don't want to recreate the past. I want what God has, but I also don't want to repeat the mistakes of the past either. I'm a firm believer that we need to learn from where we have been, and it will help us in where we are going. Just this past Monday, me and Jaden and Molly Kate, we sat over at Monday. It is the I don't know why that's going out on me. It, it, was a, it was one of those days that you go over preview day. Uh, we sat through all the different 
And so we were sitting, and we were sitting through uh, all of the different sessions, and probably, honestly, one of the most important ones that I listened to that day was the one about financial aid because I want her, and I've continued to tell her and Molly Kate still a little ways off, but Jaden is getting really close to it. I don't want them to make the same mistakes that I have made myself, and I keep trying to tell her scholarships and, 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 and stay away from those students loans and all that. Listen, I want us to know today, what I'm preaching about today is not, hey, let's bring back everything of the past. No, it's what my message is today, if you don't hear me at all, let's learn from the things that we've messed up on before and not try to relive those because there's nothing more frustrating to me than making the same mistake over and over. Somebody say amen. So let's look at my first point today. The first thing I want to look at, if you're taking notes today, is the story of a man named Methuselah. Everybody say Methuselah. Oh, come on, y'all can say it better than that. Everybody say Methuselah. There we go. That's better. Well, really to talk about Methuselah, I think we need to start with talking about his father, Enoch. Everybody say Enoch. You see, we find something about Enoch. We don't have a whole lot. There, there are several mentions throughout the scriptures of Enoch, but we don't have nothing to the capacity like when we think about David. I've preached about David a good bit already because the Bible, there's so much about David. Now, Enoch is one of those guys that there's not nearly as much about as there is David, but there's some things that we know about him. One thing we know is it seemed that he had a normal life until age 65. How many of y'all here, uh, if you're old enough, if you're willing to say it, how many of you here have reached 65 yet? Anybody here, you've reached 65 yet? So at, up until 65, uh, everything had seemed to be normal. And then scripture tells us at age 65, he had a son. Now, for those of you that said you're already 65 or older, how many of you here are ready to have a brand new baby boy? <laughs> anybody here, I don't think anybody's going to raise their hand. Y'all say that's why we got grandkids. Uh, but at 65, he had a son. But not only did he have a son at age 65, but the scripture tells us simply that he had this son and he also began to walk with God. Now listen, I just need to tell somebody here today, I don't care how young or how old you are, it is not too late to start walking with God. Listen, you may have been saved all your life. You may have cut your teeth on church pews. You may have been to Sunday school every Sunday that you've been alive. But I just need to remind every single one of us that none of us have come to the place that we have arrived in our relationship with God, that we can always get closer to Him, that we can always seek for more of Him, that we can always find ourselves in a deeper relationship with God. God. At age 65, Enoch began to walk with God. And we find a couple of things. This walking with God brought, I want to give you two things that I believe that I found. Two things that happened as Enoch began to walk with God. First of all, we find that Enoch never died. Enoch was one of only two people on this planet that never died died. Enoch has never died. In fact, the Bible tells us that he was and he was no more. The Lord 
took him. Now, I'm not going to dig into that. I think you've heard me say before. I'll say it one more time. Personally, and it don't really matter, it's not a heaven or hell issue. We'll find out when it happens. Personally, I believe that Enoch is going to be one of the two witnesses. I believe it's going to be the two men that never died, Elijah and Enoch, because they're going to come back and be the two witnesses, and they then are going to die in that time. But I'm not getting into all that. But we find that Enoch had such a walk with the Lord that the Lord, instead of letting Enoch die, the Lord raptured Enoch. Enoch was taken to be with God. What else happened to Enoch? Well, I believe secondly, not only did he not die because of his walk with the Lord, that he gave his son a very odd name, that odd name that I told you to say a couple times, and that is Methuselah. Everybody say it one more time, Methuselah. Well, most of you here know that Methuselah, Methuselah was the oldest person that ever lived on this planet. Methuselah lived a, a record of 969 years on this planet. But I know most of you here, if you've been to Sunday school and study scripture, you know Methuselah's name means this. When he is dead, it will Come. You see, Methuselah would have been, would have, would eventually then have a grandson whose name would be Noah. And God then came to Noah, Methuselah's grandson, and told him that because of man's wickedness, he was going to destroy the earth with a flood and that he was to build an ark. Here we have a guy named Noah. Everybody say Noah. Noah was a grandson to Methuselah. Methuselah's name meant when he is dead, it will come. It will happen. And so then God comes to Methuselah's grandson Noah and says, Noah, the world is wicked. The wickedness of this world has just taken over. It's crazy. I'm about to wipe this whole thing out with a flood of water, but I'm going to save you because Scripture tells us that what? That Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And because of that, he came to Noah and said, I'm going to let you build an ark and you and your wife and your three sons and their spouses are going to be saved from the destruction. Well, scholars have vary in opinions of the time it took. They say anywhere from 60 to 120 years to build this ark, this massive floating structure that would hold two of every kind of animal, Noah, his three sons, and their wives. So they say maybe 60, maybe 120 years. But Scripture tells us, though, that as he built it, he also preached and warned about it. Now, y'all have heard me talk about this before. We've made, a, we've made a trip before. We made a trip last, probably about this time last year, back in October, we made a trip to Kentucky, and we went to the ark, and it is a life-size replica of that building, that boat that God told Noah to build. This thing is massive. This thing is huge, and so whether it was 60, 120 years, somewhere in between, it doesn't really matter, but we do know this, that as Noah built, Noah preached. Can you imagine as Noah is out there building this massive boat and people would come by and say, Noah, what in the world are you doing? And what would he say? I'm 
building an ark. God told me to build an ark. Well, why in the world would God tell you to build an ark? He said, because he's going to destroy the world because of this wickedness. And people would just laugh at him and walk on by. You know, people around just begin to make fun of him and mock him and ridicule him. But old Noah, he kept on working. He kept on building. He kept on hammering. And he kept on putting this ark together. He put it together with gopher wood. He put tar on it. He was working. But while he was working, he was preaching. He was being a witness. Let me just tell somebody today, the sad fact of the matter is this. Not everybody is going to accept Jesus. Not everybody is going to allow him to come and save him. I wish I could tell you, stand up here and tell you that everybody's going to be saved and everybody's going to go to heaven. But that's not the case. Everybody has the opportunity to do that. It's God's, not God's will that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. But every single one of us has been given the choice as human beings that we get to choose whether we will let him redeem us or not. And so Noah was working, Noah was hammering, and Noah was preaching. But Noah could not make any of them get on that boat. Brothers and sisters, as you live your life, and I live mine, we got to do our best. As we work, we got to be able to preach. You may not preach a three-point sermon, but you're living a message. You're living a sermon. You're living a testimony that is being a message, and it's being alike to somebody, but you can't make anybody receive Jesus. You can't make anybody believe it, and you've not been called to do that. All you've been called to do is to be the light. All you've been called to do is to be the witness, and when you do that, you have done your responsibility, and their blood and their soul will not be on your hands. Noah worked, and Noah preached. Whether 60, somewhere between 60 and 120 years, he built and preached that he warned. And you know, some might even say this. It's understandable. Some might say that, you know, 120 years, if we go with that longest span, wasn't really long enough to warn them. I mean, really, is that, is that fair, 120 years that God's going to wipe everybody out? Well, that's, that's a matter of opinion. You can have your opinion on that. I can have my opinion on that doesn't really matter because really it's only God's opinion that matters at the end. Somebody say amen. But, but, but I want to tell you this, in case you lean toward 120 years just doesn't seem long enough, I need to remind you that there had been a much longer warning in place because Grandpa Methuselah had been around a long, long time. I personally believe that God must have shown Enoch what was coming judgment. In fact, when you begin to read Enoch, I believe Enoch even saw some things, not even about the flood, but I believe that Enoch saw some prophetic things about some stuff that me and you ain't even seen yet. Some things that have not even come to this world yet. But God had showed Enoch some things. He, he had shown him the coming judgment which caused Enoch then to name his son Methuselah. You see, I believe that Enoch ensured that the warning would live even 
even when Enoch was already gone from this planet. You see, Enoch knew. He didn't know. I don't know if he knew he was going to be raptured. I don't know that Enoch knew exactly how long he was going to live, but all he knew was there was going to come a time when he wasn't going to be around. And so he made sure when he named that boy that was born to him at 65 years old, he named him Methuselah that said, when he is dead, it will happen. You see, I believe we need some Enoch's again, some Enoch's that will begin to walk with God again. I'm calling some men and women to, would you begin to walk with God again? When I begin to walk with God again, would we get so untied and untwisted and untangled with the stuff of this world so that we could begin to walk with Jesus Christ again? We need some folks to walk with God. We need some folks to hear from God. I'm telling you folks, I don't believe, I don't believe half of anything. I, I, don't, even, I don't even think half. I don't even believe a quarter of anything I hear or see or read on the news or social media anymore. I've done got to the place that the only thing that I can truly believe and the only thing that I can truly rely on is this right here. And I've come to the place where I'm praying to God that he would begin to speak to men and women again, that we begin to walk with him, that we begin to hear from him, and we begin to tell what God is saying to us. For 969 years, people encountered old man Methuselah. For 969 years, there was a warning to this planet that something was coming. Judgment was coming. God was not happy with the way things were going. For 969 years, people would encounter Methuselah and knew and had heard, but unfortunately, they ignored it. We find when the rain began to come, when the, when the, as we read in our text, springs of the great deep burst forth. The floodgates of the heaven were opened. On that very dramatic day that the flood, that this rain for 40 days and 40 nights started, there had been 969 years of warning before that door of that ark was shut by God. But people had ignored it. But the end, the end still came. Folks, unfortunately, for, for over 2,000 years now, people have been preaching this gospel. For over 2,000 years now, people have been preaching about the story. When the disciples were standing there on the Mount of Olives as Jesus ascended to heaven, they couldn't see him no more, and suddenly the Bible said angels showed up and said, Hey, you men of Galilee, why are you standing here looking off into heaven? This same Jesus that you saw go will come again in like manner. So for 2,000 years, we've been preaching this book. For 2,000 years, we've been saying, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming again. And I'm telling you, folks, I still believe that Jesus Christ is coming again. For 969 years, when they said, hey, Methuselah, how you doing? How you doing, Methuselah? How you been doing, Methuselah? Every time they would say Methuselah, for 969 years, there was a warning that God's judgment was coming. But there wasn't but eight people 
who made it on the ark. And I've got to tell you today that I still believe that Jesus Christ is coming. Lord, I'm praying that there's going to be more than eight that make it to heaven. But unfortunately, there's those that aren't listening. There's those that aren't paying attention. But it doesn't matter how many pay attention. Jesus Christ is coming back whether we believe it or not. After 969 years of warning, only eight human beings made it on the ark. I don't know how many of y'all, we watched it for the very first time the other night. Noah by Russell Crowe. Lord, that is just completely off. The bad guy didn't sneak onto the ark. That's just a bunch of garbage, so just don't. I just was interested in that, so please don't take that as I had to tell the girls. They were like, well, I was like, no, none of this is just, none of this. This is all holly weird stuff here, so, so none of that. Only eight people made it onto the ark. Secondly, I'm almost done, believe it or not. That's why I call it a mini-series. The second thing I want to give to you today is I want to talk to you about the Japanese tsunami of 2011. On Friday, March the 11th, 2011, how many of you were alive then? How many of you remember that? I know there's some young ones. You may have been alive. You don't even remember it. But on Friday, March 11th, 2011, nearly 16,000 people died in Japan. It was caused by a 9.0 magnitude earthquake approximately 43 miles off the coast of Japan. There seemed to be no warning, no signs, no sirens blaring. Some survivors said it came with no warning. But was there? The picture you see behind me is a marker. The coast of Japan are dotted with stone markers like these. Some 70 years old, some they say are up to six centuries old. And one of these stone markers outside a village says, do not build below this line. For over 600 years, some of these markers had stood. But as you can see, they had been grown up around and they had been ignored and they had been thought to be, oh, that's just old time stuff there. Oh, that's just stuff, though we're much more modern. We're much more advanced. That's just old stuff there we're not worried about that and those markers that would say do not build below this line were ignored and when this gigantic earthquake that caused this tsunami in fact scientists say that the earthquake was so large it knocked the earth off of its axis by four inches it made waves waters came three Hundred feet shy of these old warning markers. From the marker up, nothing was affected. From the marker 
to the coast, there was total and complete devastation. People would walk by, some for over six centuries, and chose to build closer and closer to the coast, chose to ignore the warnings, chose to say, that's not really relevant anymore. I'm not really concerned about that. That's just some old fable. That's just some old wives' tale. That's just those old folks just didn't know what they were talking about. Here we sit 2,000 years after Jesus ascended to heaven and say he's coming back. And how many people today How many people today drive and walk by churches? How many people today scroll through Facebook as sermons are being preached? How many today flip through television channels as messages are being preached? How many people even sit in the pews or the chairs or whatever it may be? Sunday after Sunday. And think, you know, all that stuff that was good for grandma and grandpa and mama and daddy. But I'm more educated than that. We've come along. I don't know if Jesus Christ is really going to come back. Maybe, maybe there's just some metaphors there. Maybe it's a, listen, brothers and sisters, God sent me here on this Sunday morning to just remind somebody one more time. Just like for 969 years, Methuselah warned that when I'm dead, it's coming. Just like for for almost 120 years Noah built and Noah preached and said a flood is coming but people ignored him and people acted like it wasn't going to happen but the floods came for over 600 years some of these markers in Japan were driven by and walked by and ignored but on that day in 2011 a tsunami came and flooded everything below that marker just like it said so I just need to remind somebody that the Bible still tells me that there is a judgment day that is coming. In fact, can I say it like this? That there's going to be a payday someday. That there's coming a day when every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to have to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There's coming an end to all of these things as we see it here on earth. And I need you to be ready. I want every man, woman, boy, and girl that will listen to know that Jesus is coming back. Judgment is coming. This time it's not going to be water. Scripture says this time it's going to be a fire that's going to come and burn up everything. But for those of us that have had our names written in the Lamb's book of life, we will be safe in the presence of Almighty God. There's hope for us if we know him. Give God praise if you believe it today. Stand with me if you will all over the building. I give you all this, and I didn't give Henry. I want you, if you'll put Matthew 24 and 37 in King James Version, I didn't give him this, but I, I want everybody to see this. Matthew 24 and 37. 
Matthew chapter 24 and verse 37 tells us something here. Jesus is speaking. And he says, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. You say, Pastor, why do you want to preach about this old stuff? Pastor, why? <laughs> because of this right here. Because Jesus gave us warning. He gave us warning that before he comes back, it's going, it's, you know, I preached about it last week. We're on the potter's wheel. This thing's just spinning around and around. Just mankind, we are just in a cycle, aren't we? And here we are in this cycle. And I need somebody to see it. That Jesus himself said, like it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the coming of the Son of Man. What does that mean? I told you. For 969 years, they said, hey, hey, Methuselah, how you doing? How, how you doing? Knowing when they said the name Methuselah, what it meant, when he's dead, it's going to happen. For 120 years, they saw Noah working on the ark, building that ark, preaching, judgment's coming, flood's coming, flood's coming. And they just walk by and just laugh at him. So here we are, 2021. What's happening? Oh, same thing as then, isn't it? You start talking about the Bible. You start talking about, oh, that's just, that's old-fashioned. That's garbage. That's not true. That's not real. You can't believe that stuff. That's just, that's just old stuff there. You can't worry about all that. That's just some person at some time just thought they'd write all this down. It's just literature, a figure of their figurative in their imagination. No, it's not. It's the truth. And here we are, just like it was in the days of Noah. Just like it was in 2011, as so many Japanese people walked by those markers that said, don't build below this line. And yet they thought, they don't know. I don't know about you, but I know of people right now. I know of people right now that just walked by this old warning. And they're just like, Psh, I don't believe that. They walk by this old warning marker and say, that's just, that's just old. That's grandmas, that's grandpas. That don't, that don't mean nothing. But it doesn't change the fact Jesus is coming back again. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, a trumpet is going to sound. Jesus Christ is coming back again. Oh, church, would you just lift your hands for a moment and just thank him. Just thank him that he's coming back. Just close your eyes for a moment and just lift your hands and just thank him that he's coming. He didn't leave us here for He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there ye may be also. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you're coming back. We thank you that you're coming back. We thank you, oh Lord, that you haven't left us here forever. You're coming back one day. 
No man knows the day or the hour. But, Lord, we do know the seasons. You told us we'd recognize the seasons. And one of those seasons that you told us about was it was going to be like in the days of Noah. And here we are, God. I believe we are in these end time seasons right now. I certainly don't know the day or the hour, but I got to live like it could be in the next second, Lord. I've got to live like you could come back before I'm finished with my sentence. I've got to live like I may never breathe another breath again. I need to heed the old warnings and know that you're coming back. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Come on, just press in for a moment. Would you do that? It's 1134. We're not even close to noon yet. Don't get panicked. Lord, we thank you and praise you today. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your anointing that is here in this place, oh God. Thank you for what you're doing here. Thank you that you've warned us. You didn't leave us without warning. Lord God, that's the thing. That's the thing. Reaching back to move forward, we've got to remember these old landmarks. We've got to see these land. We've let them get overgrown, Lord. We've let the trees grow up around them. We've let the bushes grow up around them. We've let the mold and the moss grow on them so we can't even hardly read them anymore sometimes. But God, it's time to clear the way. It's time to clear out the debris. It's time to clear out the brush. It's time to wipe off the moss. It's time to make it clear again to everybody around us that Jesus Christ is coming back and we need to be ready. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Saints, I need you to stay right here in this holy moment because I'm about to give two different, two different calls. I need my saved folks praying right now, my Holy Ghost saved folks praying. Right here under the sound of my voice, maybe you're here in this place. You say, Pastor, I, I don't know if I'm ready to meet the Lord. Maybe you've never known him before. Maybe you've never asked him to come in and save you. Or maybe you have before and you've just felt yourself moving away from him, falling away. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I don't know that I'm ready, but I want to be ready when Jesus comes back. Would you just step out from where you're at and come find a place in this 